Rock and Roll's Greatest Failure. Call Baby That's Really Me by John Otway. Read by John Otway. Call Baby That's Really Me. Chapter 20. The time had arrived to decide on the follow-up single to Really Free. Polydor could not find anything suitable on the new LP, Deeper Meaningless, and the general feeling was that the most suitable track would have been Beware of the Flowers. Sadly, this had been used on the B-side of the last single. Otway had played Polydor his epic version of Geneva and was more than happy for that to be released as the follow-up. It's bound to be a hit after the last single, he thought. Won't it be nice? Not only to be a great punk artist but a ballad singer as well. He foresaw other advantages too. He had written the song in the first place to demonstrate his love for Lisa and impress on her that he would be a great star eventually, even if he was a dustman at the time. It would be her loss if she wasn't with him then. He had no idea where she was now, but he was certain that if Geneva went climbing up the charts, reporters and photographers by the plane load would fly to Switzerland and find her then she would really know the pain of his unrequited love. The song he felt was universal. Anyone who has ever been spurned by the true desires of their heart would relate to this song, he said. His imagination went wild. He could see pictures in the paper with headlines like Love of Lisa gives John a number one. In the end, the battle at Polydor for what should be the important follow-up became a straight fight between the Wimps and the Wiles. John at the head of the Wimps and Willie at the head of the Wiles. Sadly for the future of our star's career, the Wimps won by a small majority. Even the cover of that single went totally against the previous image of the wild man. A soft focus Otway with sad eyes, searching a blue, lightly clouded sky graced every copy of that single he felt every punk in the land would be proud to buy. I need to do a tour to promote my new single, John told Paul. But you only finished the last one two weeks ago, he replied. The agency tried their best to explain to John that the sort of tour he had just completed was the sort of thing one did at the most once every six months. And John did his best to explain that as the last door had been so incredibly successful, more and more people would come out and see the next one. As usual at this time, John was both wrong and insistent, and so yet another tour of the UK was booked at very short notice. For this tour, John and Willie had decided to dispense with the services of a band and go out and just tour just as a duo again. On first appearances... This should have saved a considerable amount of money. But as Otway now had spending fever, this tour was a financial disaster. The convoy that toured the country on this tour was a little excessive. Willie took the XJ12, and so John insisted on taking his Bentley, which meant that Potter had to be employed to drive it. He then employed Chris Francis' girlfriend to polish the car every morning. She would need transport, so Chris drove her to the shows in his car. The gear travelled in the pink van with the two roadies. John and Willie both had their own at this point. Paul Kendrick took his Ford Cortina and the PA and the lights travelled in a three-ton truck. 
Everyone on the tour stayed at hotels that Otway felt befitted his and his Bentley's status. Potter clearly remembers one incident that illustrates, probably more than anything else, just how stardom had gone to Otway's head. I just pulled up outside of this hotel and John insisted that I reverse it back three feet as the people in the lobby would not be able to see him getting out of the car from the position I'd stopped him. After getting cross with him about this, I finally relented and backed the car up without looking. I reversed straight into a taxi. Oh, it was furious at the dent on the back of his car, but the crashing noise did have the effect of attracting the attention of everyone in the lobby, as they noticed both the car and John storming out of it. Geneva did not soar into the charts the way Otway expected it to. In fact, it did not soar into the charts at all. About halfway through this tour, this fact was pretty obvious. The difference between Otway and Barrett was reaching breaking point. Willie was still refusing to do Otway's regular seven encores per night and was more than a little miffed at Otway's Walt Disney recording coming out. He had also taken a big interest in gambling and was spending a fortune both in time and money in the bookies. The World Cup was on at this time and Willie had by the quarterfinals got thousands of pounds resting on the results of the matches. Willie couldn't see the point in doing this tour either. The agent was right about the amount of people that were prepared to come out and see them twice within a month. And Willie had better things to do. Watching the football was one of them. The last two gigs on this tour were Penzance, then Pontypridd in Wales. They were both very long drives, both bound to lose money, and both coincided with a court case Willie had for the evasion of car tax and four very important football matches. When Willie did not show up for those gigs, it was the end of the road for Otway, who had become increasingly sick of Willie's lack of professionalism and care over their success. John sent Willie a telegram saying, You're fired and set about approaching the media with his side of the story. Will he no come back again? Was the headline sounds printed in an issue that had a front cover of Otway diving in the deep end of a hotel swimming pool naked? John had managed to announce the splitting up of the successful duo on exactly the same day their new LP, Deeper Meaningless, was released. Couldn't you just stay together for a couple of weeks until you have sold some records? asked the managing director of Polydor Records. But Otway was adamant. John Otway and World Cup Willie were now two individual artists. The front cover of that album probably says it all. There is a picture of Willie with his arms raised heavenwards, as if to say, Oh my God, what have I let myself in for? While Otway just grins with his head resting on Willie's shoulder. The album did get to number 27 in the LP charts for one week before disappearing without trace. How much did we make on that last tour, Paul? John asked. You lost three grand, was the reply. And so began the years of decline that Otway was to fight against just as passionately as he had fought for his success in the years before it. (laughs) 